Well, if you've blessed to be in the house of the Lord this morning, say amen. 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 I, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, express my, my thanks and, and gratitude uh, to Pastor BJ and Pastor Alicia, and especially for his, uh, you know, he's not required to let me preach. Just if you're not aware of that, uh, it's, not, it, it's not an absolute so he's gracious and kind to do that. And I'm so grateful they're, they're taking some time to get some much-needed rest. Uh, would you pray for them specifically? If you haven't been already, please pray for Pastor BJ and Pastor Alicia and their family by name every day. Uh, the better they are, the better we are. Amen. <laughs> so let's lift them to the Lord. Let's encourage them and pray for them uh, in these days and that they'll return to us uh, rested and ready to go for uh, God has great things ahead for us. And uh, some things that are probably going to be totally unexpected. Anybody predict the last three months or so? Didn't think so. But, uh, but God's faithful and He's good. Well, I, wanna, I don't want to take a lot of time this morning, but I do want to share just a couple of quick announcements so that I don't forget them later. I hope you found a bulletin in your pew if you, if you didn't, there are more available at the Welcome Center when you leave. Please be sure and read those over because you don't want me to read this whole thing to you. So, uh, so look that over. There's lots of good information uh, about the life of the church. If you're a regular attender here, uh, we want you to be aware of things that are going on. And like it has been, things continue to change uh, week to week, sometimes day to day. So... Uh, I want you to know that we're doing everything we know to do to keep you informed, keep you aware, connect with you. Uh, but if you know of a need uh, of someone in the church, be sure and, uh, and let us know in the office. Uh, Maryland is available most uh, days of the week. So uh, uh, we want to be able to be aware of that and minister to everybody as, as best we can. Also, if you did not uh, get a, a, a funeral bulletin, for a memorial bulletin for Jack, uh, there are some of those available out on the Welcome Center as well. When you leave today, uh, you can be sure and pick one of those up as well. Uh, well, I'd invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 11. Uh, John chapter 11. On the back of your bulletin, you have uh, a, f a few notes and... Uh, I really wrestled with uh, the title of the message this morning because when, it, when, when the Lord seemed to first just put it in my mind, I just kept wrestling with, that's just, that's just too strong, that's too, uh, that's too right to the point, I guess. I don't know what I was, it just didn't seem right, but I couldn't let go of it. And so I just wound up saying, all right, Lord, what, you know, this... Not necessarily what I'm thinking, but I, but I, I believe you're leading. And, so, uh, and that's simply this, this exclamation. We've all been robbed. We've all been robbed. How, how many of you, uh, and if you don't want to acknowledge this, that's perfectly fine. But, but maybe some of you would just as. How many of you have, have had some type of uh, something stolen from you? Okay, you've, a, a thief has broke in. Your home, a car, or something, uh, or church camp. You know, I lost more stuff at church camp probably anywhere. But, uh, but you, <laughs> it's just the truth. I'm sorry. 
It just meant that we were reaching a lot of unchristian children through camp. Okay, so they just needed to be refined a little bit more. But uh, so if you have, then you you know that uh, that sense of of feeling of violation. Someone has crossed a boundary, entered into territory they they did not have permission to. They should should not have and. Not only that, not only just their presence somewhere that they should not have been, they've also taken a possession that was significant or that was meaningful or maybe even priceless to you. I don't ever want to take this to the point of giving the devil too much credit, but we absolutely do have an enemy of our souls. We absolutely do have one who the Bible says has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy and, and if there's a collective feeling, I mentioned this earlier, if there's a collective feeling that I believe everyone is under, whether we, whether we even want to acknowledge it or not, it is this fact that the events of the last three or four months or so have taken something from us all. Uh, and we've, we've all, in one way or another, to one degree or another, had to wrestle with this, with this notion of, what I once had and what I once identified as normal and everyday and this is how things go and this is how things operate and, and maybe I'm comfortable, this is good, this is how I want it to go, was just suddenly taken and went, whoop, turned completely upside down. Maybe even worse, some of us were hit to a degree of, of you lost jobs, you, you lost a needed Essential time with, with family and friends. Uh, students, you were pulled from your very uh, predictable routine of going to school and taking classes and saying, hello, teacher, mom, or dad at home. And that either was a good experience or a terrible one. Uh, and you just you, you got through it. We've had all kinds of challenges and nobody is exempt in here today. It affects every age group. For the notes that you have on the bulletin, I want, you, I, I, I want to invite you to use them this way. Not necessarily as write down pearls of wisdom that you think you heard me say. or I'd like for you to use them almost kind of like a journal. And, and I know some of us just even hearing the word journal is like, oh, no, I don't. Um, but I'd like for you to think of these as, as a way, just a small way, and there's only two or three lines there. Uh, how did we get here? In other words, what's the journey been like for you the last three or four months? You know, one day we will all look back on these days and we'll have different kinds of reflections and different kinds of thoughts of how it went, what went well, what didn't, what worked, what didn't, what our perspectives were, what our experiences were. That can get clouded as time goes on. I'd encourage you to write something down somewhere. Sometimes it just helps us to process what's going on by just writing it out. Here's, here's what's happened. Here's how, here's how I got to where I'm at. Here's how these last months have gone. And, and then I'd also like for you to think about uh, loss and grieving. What, what do you feel like has been taken from you? Identify that. Point that out. Those, those are things if you haven't been, you need to be praying specifically about those. The Lord already knows them, of course, but, but when, when you make connection with them and then you offer them to the Lord, those are specific things that He can help you with. Loss and, 
and, and grieving. Maybe it's just been everyday conversation. Uh, maybe it's been fellowship or support, uh, eating out, uh, large gatherings, regular in-person worship, graduation ceremonies, funerals, birthday and anniversary parties. What are some losses that you've had along the way? And Because you may not even realize it because it may not have necessarily been a death or something that you would put in the category of that's what you weep or mourn or grieve over. But if you're not careful, you're going to find yourself reacting in ways to all the, the stress and the challenge and the pressure of these days. And you're grieving, but you just haven't even identified it. Some of us, I would imagine, have had some very tense moments at home, maybe with a spouse or with kids. And it wasn't really about the thing as much as just everything else kind of landing. And sadly, we've probably been a victim or made some people victims of us just reacting out of all that. We are living beings with emotions. God has designed us that way. And if we don't have good outlets and good ways to deal with that, Satan will swoop in and use the very things that God designed to be helpful and good for us as a weapon against us. He really will. He's cunning and clever that way. So what, what are some things that you feel like there's loss and grieving about? In John chapter 11 here, we're going to uh, see a couple of sisters, Mary and Martha. If you, if you don't know their story, you'll learn about it here in just a moment. But in this story, Mary and Martha both make a declaration at two different times, the exact same words. I like to... I like to think that Mary and Martha were probably twins. I don't know that for sure. Uh, I, I can't find anywhere in the scripture where it indicates one way or the other. But being a twin dad and knowing other twin parents and twin cup twins and other things, I think there's a connection there that would probably make this work and make this fit. In fact, one of mine's screaming right now. Um, that's probably why she knows I'm talking about her. But they both say... The exact same thing, it's recorded in Scripture as them saying exactly the same words. Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Now I think you can, and I, and I left it that way for a reason, because I think, you can, I think you could put a lot of other things in there. Lord, if you had been here. You got something you could slip in there? Lord, if you had been here. They were just being very real and very honest. And in fact, it was probably harder for them than it would be for us because we, we get the luxury of seeing the whole story, seeing the whole thing. All they knew was that the very living being, Christ in the flesh, was present on the earth and very close to them. He was in the neighborhood. And they had a serious need, a loved one, sick unto death and he was nowhere to be found and they even sent word to him make sure that he knows can you imagine thinking that you need to inform God and make sure he knows You've been, I've done that before Jesus probably is unaware of what's happening in my life so I need to send word to him get him a message but they ask a very honest question and I'm so thankful that the word of God is, is complete 
with these full expressions of people's journey and faith in the Lord to say, Lord, if you had been here, what does that mean? It, it means that they had this idea that if he, if he had been there, this wouldn't have happened, right? Lord, I just, I just have it in my mind that if you really had been present, whatever this bad thing is would not have happened. And so if it happened, then I, then I just have to figure that it happened because you weren't there. And even more, I'm wrestling with the fact that you knew. We told you. We sent word to you. We let you know ahead of time. Lord, this is terrible. Look what's about to happen. Come on. Stop this. can't tell you how many times I've felt like that over the last three or four months. In a lot of different situations, in a lot of different places. Lord, why won't you just stop this? It says a lot more about me than it does about him. It says a lot more about me than it does about him. But then let me give you one more thing, and then I'm going to unpack it just a little bit, and then we're going to be done. There is a true source of comfort, but there's only one. There's only one. You can look across this world, and you will find people searching for comfort in a thousand different ways, a thousand different things, a thousand different places, and only one has ever proven sufficient to truly comfort the heart and the soul as only God can. What is your source of comfort? In case you're tempted to check out before the message is over, let me just tell you, it's Jesus. His words, He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you know that he didn't just say that to only mean physical death? When you you go back and do that wonderful work of original languages and look it all up, he was actually saying, He that believes in me, though he were anything and everything up to death, yet shall he live. Anything and everything that is unlike our Savior, anything and everything that speaks of something other than love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, anything else, even unto death, he that believes in me, yet shall he live. That's Jesus. Paul understood it this way in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I don't live it the way I used to. I live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God, help us all to get there. To live into that every single day. I just want to encourage you again, take, take that page, 
jot a few words down there. Hopefully, uh, if plans hold, we'll come back and, and visit those. Maybe Wednesday night, we'll see. But when we look to God's Word here in John chapter 11, I want to read just a few verses for us. But I also want to give you just a little bit of context here. Lazarus, who we understand to be a very dear friend of Jesus, one that Jesus loved. There's actually only a couple of people that are identified specifically and by name that Jesus loved them in Scripture. Not that he doesn't love everybody, but there was something particular about this relationship here on earth that Jesus had with some of his followers. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, the Bible records here in John chapter 11, that he loved them. John the Apostle, the disciple that Jesus loved. Only a few that were specifically pointed out that way. When we get to John chapter 11 and Lazarus' death, we, we've, we've learned already that Jesus has heard about Lazarus being sick. Mary and Martha have sent word to him. Jesus has gotten that message, and he has just decided to hang out and wait for two days. Bethany is about a day, day and a half journey uh, there in Judea. Jesus was even alarmed to go back to Judea because the Jews had been seeking him to kill him. So going back to Bethany, where Lazarus is at, would mean going back into enemy hostile territory. So Jesus waits. And then we pick it up in verse 17. John chapter 11. Jesus finally arrives. He tells the disciples, we need to go. Our brother Lazarus has fallen asleep. They're so sharp, they don't understand a word he's saying. They think Lazarus has taken a nap. Jesus has to explain to them, guys, come on. I mean, he's dead. And then he gets there. Verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb. Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. There's two very distinct approaches, two very distinct responses here. I'd encourage you. I wish I had the time to unpack all this, but the ways that Mary and Martha react to the, note, to the understanding that Jesus has come near. Martha runs off to meet him. Mary hangs back, just waits. I think Mary knew he's coming. I think Martha was concerned, better go get him, just make sure. Don't want him to get lost. Don't want him to change his mind. Better run on out there. Uh, you know, my twins, I see them, it's, it's amazing to me, so alike and so unalike. Totally different personalities. Totally different approaches. But uh, verse 20, now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Present tense. 
present tense, in that moment. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Can you imagine the audacity of Jesus in this moment? He's shown up to the funeral, to the cemetery. The backdrop is Lazarus, our brother, is dead. He's been in the tomb for four days. And Jesus is saying, He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Martha, do you believe this? That's the all-important question, isn't it? Belief is fundamental to anything and everything we do in life. You'll respond out of it. You'll react out of it. You'll speak out of it. It all comes back to what do you believe? And so Jesus asked that question. Do you believe this? Verse 27, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Boy, that's a hard one, isn't it? Martha is very typical of so many believers. Please understand, I'm not trying to pick male, female, anything. Martha just happens to be the one in the story. But she seems to me to be very typical of many believers. She truly believes, but she has no confidence. Oh, I believe. How many times, maybe, and maybe you've heard the expression... I know the Lord can, I just don't know if He will. I believe, just don't have any confidence. I believe He's capable, not so sure that He will. Pretty common. She doesn't distrust or question the truth of what Jesus says, but she gets stuck at how will this thing be? That's where the hang-up for her comes. Lord, I know you will. I know you're going to. I know you've promised. That's not the problem. The problem is how? How are you going to do it? How will this thing be? And she misses the very presence of Jesus right there in that moment. I think this is something else we all can use a little adjustment on. 
most of us, most of the time, are not living in the present. We're either living in the past, what happened, what should have happened, what didn't happen, what might have happened, or we're living in what's next, what's coming, what's, what's on the horizon, what's the next thing on the agenda, what's the next thing on the calendar, what have I got to do next, what's my next responsibility, either back here or trying to lean into a future that hasn't even gotten here yet. And you know what happens while we're doing that? All of this, and if we're not careful, we miss it. We miss it. We miss the, the moment. Martha was missing the very presence of Jesus himself right in front of her because it was all about for her what he hadn't done back here and what he hadn't done yet. You see the, the, the difference there? Lord, you didn't do and you still haven't done. And all the time I'm missing that you're, you're right here right now. You're right here in this moment, right here with me. How and why, and maybe I'm sure there will be different opinions, but I believe how and why belong to the Lord. How and why belong to Him. It's, it's His business to arrange matters so that they fulfill His own promises and His own declarations. He is God. And we are not. It's, it's His priorities. It's His agenda. He invites us into it. He includes us graciously into it. And welcomes us into the family. Calls us and draws us in. But He is the Father. We are the children. At this point... We each have a choice to make. We can sit at Jesus' feet like Mary and consider these things. Or we can run around like Martha crying, How will these things ever be? Constantly battling and toiling within our souls and in our, our spirits with a, a, with a never-ending war of, Lord, help my mind to, to understand and perceive all that your mind understands and perceives. When that was never the intention of God, never has been, never will be. He doesn't call us to understand. He calls us to have faith. Oh, God, help us get this. He calls us to trust in Him. No one understands this any better than a parent who has had a, 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 a strong-willed child. And you've had a million of those moments when you have in your heart of hearts wanted to lead them from a heart of love that desires to give them life and give them hope and give them a future and they just want to say, mm -mm. not doing it. And a lot of times, maybe it's simply because of pure stubbornness, but a lot of times it's also because, how is this going to be? I don't understand. Answer all the questions. Fill in all the details. Let me know before, before we just go. And as a parent, you are able to look into that situation and say, we either don't have the time. You wouldn't understand it if I tried to explain it to you. I just need you to trust me and let's go. Amen? We got a parent or two out there? 
Don't you imagine that we put that on God a lot? And he looks at us and says, oh, I don't need you to understand. I'm not calling you to understand. I'm calling you to trust in me. Put your hand in my hand and let me show you. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. My plans are, are good. I love There's a new song out right now. It has a wonderful lyric in it. I heard it just the other day that said, if it's not good, it's not over. We know that God works all things together for our good, right? So, if what you're going through, if where you're at, if it's not good, He's not done. It's, he's not finished. You just need to trust Him. And you just need to hold on because no matter how bad it looks right now, His purpose, His plan, His desire is for your good. So if it's not good, it's not over. Praise the Lord. He's going to work it through to completion. You hold on. You have faith. You trust in Him. He will see it through. He who began a good work is faithful to complete it, to see it through to the day of completion in you. He'll do that. Amen? God, help us to get a hold of this. This is, this is life. This is strength. This is help. This is encouragement for us. Well, there's a couple of things we can learn from Martha. Real quickly, let me just point these out to us and we'll be finished. Martha set a practical limit on Jesus' words. Verse 24, I know that my brother will rise again in the resurrection. She could have put a period right there after again. I know that he will rise again, period. I just know it. I'm just certain of it. But she, she put a practical limit on it. Her lack of faith would not let her expect an immediate answer. We often notice how the disciples missed what Jesus was trying to say, but we rarely consider that they often did not do any better. And we often don't do any better than them. Oh, that we could have our, our minds moved out of the way, our understanding opened up so that we could have faith that would grasp the wonders of God's love for us. Mary put a practical limitation on Jesus' words. She also overlooked the, ver the words that Jesus spoke. She was hearing him, but she wasn't listening. He said in verse 23, Your brother will rise again. Filled with faith, we could have expected her to say something like this. Lord, thank you for this great promise. I expect it. I expect it soon because I know that you are always better to me than I can imagine. You work all things together for my good. It is yes and amen. Period. Instead, she takes this amazing proclamation of Jesus. Your brother will rise again. And she puts it on a shelf like a trophy. Only to be stared at. Never to be used. Only to look at it and marvel at its beauty. It's a great idea. It's a great thought. In the Great Depression in France, there was an older couple... One day, after family and relatives hadn't heard from them for quite a while, someone went by to check on them and found them both 
uh, passed away in their bed. It was surmised because there was not one crumb of food in the house and food was scarce for everybody throughout the city that they had likely died of starvation. Uh, what medical exams, whatever, all the evidence just seemed to point to the fact that they, they probably just simply died of starvation. They just, there just wasn't food available. We've seen a, just a glimpse of how systems can break down in our world and how quickly things could escalate to the point where you just can't get enough food to feed everybody. The supply chains break down. Things get clogged up. Things don't happen and flow like they're supposed to, and it all goes haywire. The interesting thing is this, though. Hanging on their wall was a framed 100-franc bill. Framed, hanging there. To this day, no one understands and has ever been able to figure out why they didn't take that 100-franc bill off the wall, open the frame, take it out, and use it to buy food. You see, they had access to power. They had access to help and to hope. But for reasons unexplainable, it hung on the wall while they perished. Mary overlooked, or Martha overlooked the very words that Jesus spoke. She also set the fulfillment of the promise off to a distant time. I know, Lord, verse 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. She, she just pushed it away. She didn't expect the promise anytime soon. She wasn't living with any kind of expectation. It was like looking through a telescope that had been spun around backwards. Everything was off in the distance. I know, Lord, someday, one of these days... Here's what I want us to catch. Jesus tried to help her see it. Martha, I am. I am, and I'm right here. I'm right here now. I am present with you in this moment right now. Don't refuse the present blessing for your life. Yes, there are glorious things to come. And yes, there will be a heaven one of these days. And yes, every tear will be wiped away. But He has come that we might have life now. Present tense. Victory now. Hope now. Power now. Joy now in our lives. He has come that we might know that and have that. Satan wants to steal that away. He wants to take that from us. But today, the Lord wants to give you rest. The Lord wants to give you joy. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you a future. One other thing. She made the promise general and impersonal. She made it general and impersonal. She mixes Lazarus up with all the rest of the dead. It's easy for us to say, I believe that promise is true in general. It's another thing to say, I believe that promise is yes and amen for me right now. 
right where I stand, right in this moment. We often miss that point about Martha. If you're a child of God, all spiritual things are yours and you may help yourself. That's what Jesus went to the cross for. It's what he died for. It's what he shed his blood for. It's what he gained victory over the grave that we might know it now and forevermore. God, I believe, is calling us as hard as it may be sometimes to look at the realities of life that we see and say, you need to look at me. You see, I think Martha did something that we're often tempted to do, even in this place. And it's something we ought to take note of as we resume gatherings in this place. That we don't have our eyes so much on this, even that. But that we would somehow, through the eyes of faith, see that Jesus is here. It's the only reason why the church is able to say, if something happened in this building, we're gone tomorrow. And this, this were wiped clean, and there was no structure here for miles. We, the people of God, would gather and worship. You see, I think Martha had, had the very living presence of God in, in bodily form. Jesus right before her and she was looking everywhere else. She was seeing everything else. When he was right in front of her, he was right there. God help us to see that. I, let me not carry this on too long because... I know, oh, this is so challenging. I wish I could tell you I have perfect peace and victory with all this. I wish I could tell you I, I, I put this in a nice little pretty box and I put a bow around it and sewed it up and took care of it years ago. It's a daily journey. It's a daily walk with the Lord. It's a daily getting up every morning and saying, Lord, remind me again. Show me again, teach me again, help me again. Here I am, Lord. You created me. You know what I am and what I'm not. Here I am. Well, I, I, I can't let us go without pointing this out real quickly. Lord, look at how Jesus dealt with her. He had every right to say, oh, Martha. What do I got to do? The disciples. Guys. How, and, and, and we even see that, you know, to think that those disciples, how difficult must they have been that they pushed the Son of the living God to say, how long must I labor with you? They must have really been annoying at times. My goodness. One with all the power of the universe to say, oh, you're, you, I'm, I'm just about there. But look at how he dealt with her. Oh my. She acted like he was nothing but a mere prophet. I know that whatever you ask of God, he'll give to you. That was, that was things you said to earthly prophets. She failed to recognize that power to give life was standing right in front of her. It, it was actually right there. Jesus didn't get angry. He could have. 
He didn't strike her down. He could have. He didn't chastise her or scold her for displaying such little faith. The Lord went on to teach her more than she realized about him. To open her eyes a little more to say, look again. Look again. I think those are some of the greatest words that God ever says to us. Look again. No, 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 no. Look again. Okay, Lord, I think I... No. Look again. Look closer. Look harder. You're missing it. I'm right here. And I'm doing something in your midst. Hang on. Trust me. He simply corrected her, vis- her vision by saying, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. I am. You need to hear that again. You need to hear it over everything you've lived through, over everything you've gone through, over everything you're going through right now. No matter how difficult, no matter how impossible, you need to hear it. You don't need to hear my voice. You don't need to hear this church. You don't need to hear power, money, wealth, advantage, or privilege. You need to hear the very words of the living God say to you, I am the resurrection and the life. I am here. And I will tell you for one, And I don't, I don't know how to talk about things like this without making it seem like it's about me. But I have, I have stood and sat and knelt at bedsides of people dying alone. And I have never felt more weak and more inadequate and more unworthy and more just empty of resources of help, of hope. And it's been in those moments, it's been in those times and other things and other difficult places that by the grace of God, what a glorious thing to be able to say, I got nothing for you, but oh my, He has the words of life. And if you'll trust Him, if you'll just cast aside your doubts and put your faith and trust in Him completely. He will open up the windows of heaven. And it's not just about monetary. He will show you life, victory, hope, power, things that... And, and, and He'll do it through things that you thought were impossible. You haven't even thought of the ways that He can speak into your life. If there's anything I loved to hear from... Uh, some of our beloved brothers' stories. I loved it when Jack would tell a story of how God would turn a situation around that looked hopeless. He had a bunch of those. A business deal. Something with the church. Something with a person he had met somewhere. An opportunity, a conversation, a relationship. Something that happened. And, 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 and you could just see it light up in him when he was able to say, Listen to what God did. Listen to what he did in this moment. Let me tell you about it as only he could. And you know why he lit up? Because he wasn't giving glory to himself. He wasn't giving glory or honor to him. It was, you just got to know what God will do. All glory and honor to him. Jesus didn't chastise Mary and Martha. Lord, if you'd been here, He just simply reminded them, I am. I am the resurrection 
and the life. And he grieves with us. He goes through it with us. Isn't that good to know? He doesn't just sit off insulated from it all. He comes right down where we are and he weeps with us. But then he says, I am. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to risk something and try to get us in the right key. If you know this course, sing it with me. Let this be our benediction this morning. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely. Amen. In the light of His glory and grace. Sing it one more time. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace father we bless your name we desire to have eyes that see as clearly as we do in this moment, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, help us to see you and help us to see you taking us by the hand in all the situations, in all that has been taken from us, has been given to us, all that we expect and all that we are anticipating. Help us to see you and to hear your sweet words, I am the resurrection and the life. May it carry us and may we be witnesses of this great truth to a world around us, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen. God bless you as you go today.